Well, listen, guys, we are going to finish up our series today entitled Games That Families Play. And so hopefully that you've been here through this series. If you're a first time guest, again, my name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor, and it is a privilege to have you here. Privilege to have you watching online. Can we give it up for our online audience? One of the things that I have not said is um, not only is our church continue to grow here each and every weekend, but we continue to have, um, as we started this a couple of years ago, we have anywhere from two, three, four, five hundred people watching online any given weekend, uh, which is amazing. So welcome to those who are watching online. So if you've been here through this series, here's what we've been talking about is just kind of the same way if you buy a game at the store for the first time, whether it's a card game or it's a board game, it's going to come with a set of rules. It's going to come with how to play the game. And every set of rules is kind of the same. They have the setup, they have the gameplay, and they have the goals. The setup is kind of how you get ready to play the game, which when it comes to families, we're already set up. We're already married. We're already on our second marriage. We already have kids. We already have stepkids. Whatever it is, we already have our setup. But what we want to do is we want to get to the goal. We want to win the game. And I believe the goal, the goal for all of us, the goal for me, the goal for you is to have our happily ever after. Like we want to have the family. We want to have the marriage. We want to have a relationship with our kids that God wants us to have. And so the way we get there is not our setup. It's our gameplay. That's how you play. That's the rules. That's how you play the game that gets you to your goal. And so through this series, we've been talking about your gameplay. We've been talking about your role as a husband, your role as a wife, your role as a kid in the home. And if you'll own your role and quit worrying about everybody else's role, that that's part of the way you get there. Week two, we talked about conflict resolution, that, that every home has conflict, every home has tension, and we need to learn to manage conflict and overcome conflict. Last week, we talked about um, how to handle our kids and how to make sure we're doing that well. We talked about the game of trouble. Today, before we get into today, I want to ask just this question. Is anybody here, have you ever seen something that your neighbor uh, or another family member, have you ever seen something that someone else has and you want it? I don't mean covetousness or lust, but maybe that's it. But I mean, like you see something the way they have it, the way it is at their house, you're like, I wish we had it like that. Let, let me give you a prime example. Has anybody ever seen a set of these and wanted them? <laughs> come on, God, come on, please. I'm like... Sweet Jesus, I'm killing my, I just want some ass. I just want some ass. Like nobody sees that like, yeah, I'm good. But here's the funny thing. Even though most of us, I would even say probably all of us want this, in reality, we have this. I mean, come on, this is how it is. We want thing, but we have something else. Let me give you another thing. I love, um, I hate yard work, but I love beautiful landscape. I would love it if my yard looked like this. Anybody here, don't you? Man, I love the stripes and the checks, beautiful landscaping and fresh mulch. I mean, it, it's amazing. And probably a lot of you here, you wish you had this, but in reality, you probably have this. Like you got a couple bushes planted, but the grass is brown. Like it's grass is growing and that's a win and you mow it every now and then. Here's another one. I love, contrary to what it looks like, like I love a clean car. A lot of us, we'd love to have this right here. Not necessarily maybe the car, but like, you know, the, the sidewall, the tires are shiny and the dashboard's clean and the car's sparkling. Even though a lot of us may like to have this, most of us have this right here. <laughs> I called Ronnie Pogue out first service. I'm going to call him out again. Someone drew some smiley faces on the back of his dirty window like six months ago, and they are still there. <laughs> Wash your car, brother. So here's the funny thing. Think about it. There are so many things, there are so many things 
that we want and we see that other people have, we want it, but we don't have it. And here's what you need to know is oftentimes when we are, have a draw to what someone else has, we see the results, but we don't see the labor. We see what they have, but we don't see what it took to get there. And it's important for us to know that because in, I'm telling you, in every situation, if people are at a different level, it's because they're working at a different level. And there is no case where that is more true than in the context of marriage. In the context of marriage, when you see another marriage, when you see the beauty of hands being held and rings shared, like in order to have a great marriage, I'm just telling you, marriage is work. If you want to write anything down today, you can write that down. Everybody say that marriage is work. I know you got married for the fantasy and the joy and the love and the goosebumps. But I'm just telling you, if you're going to do marriage well, it takes work. It takes work. And if you do not have the marriage that you want today, it's because you are not working at the level you need to be working. And so today for a few minutes, we're going to look at, we're going to look at some things. We're going to look at some, some ideas, but I just want to give you kind of this principle because this principle, whether it applies to your abs or whether it applies to your lawn or whether it applies to your car or far more importantly, if it applies to your marriage, there is a principle in scripture found in Galatians chapter six. And here's the principle. Here's what it says. Galatians chapter six, read it with me. You will always harvest what you what this means is you're going to get what you give. You're going to get returns on what you invest, which means if you don't make investments, you can't have returns. If you do not give, you cannot get. If you do not harvest or if you do not plant, you cannot harvest. So this, this principle in scripture, again, I know many of us here are probably not farmers, but like we get the idea, right? You take a seed and you stick the seed in the ground and you get a plant, you get a harvest, like this harvest principle is found throughout scripture. And it's God's way of saying in every area of life, in the context overwhelmingly of scripture, it's in our relationship with him, it's in the relationship of our life and our decisions that you have what you have because it's what you've sown. It's because it's what you've invested. It's because of the level you've worked at. And so if you want to get some, a different harvest, you got to plant. And so, in fact, this, this principle, this principle started all the way back in the beginning in the book of Genesis, the, the word Genesis, the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. It's where God began everything. It's where God began his creative work. God spoke and creation left into existence. God made creation. God made the stars and the quasars and the planets and God made it all. And God made a perfect world. And in the middle of that perfect world, God made a perfect paradise made a perfect man and a perfect woman and set them in the middle of that perfect paradise. And here's what the Bible said in the first relationship. This is so important. Genesis chapter two, verse eight. Come on, read it with me. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he placed the man that he had made. Verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden. Watch this, to tend and watch over it. So God made everything. God made a perfect planet with a perfect paradise, set a perfect man inside of the perfect paradise, and he gave him a garden. He gave him the perfect paradise, and he said, listen, it's your job to take care of this, right? So this is important. So the garden was God's idea, but the harvest was man's responsibility. God said, I'm giving you the framework to have a really amazing life, but you got to work the garden. 
You got to work the harvest. This is, this is your area to take care of. You got to take care of your bride. You got to take care of your family. You got to take care of this garden. This is yours to take care of. So God created it. How many people know we serve a good God who gives us good things? And so I want you to know, listen, when it comes to marriage, marriage is God's idea. It was God's idea to put a man and a wife together in the context of a relationship together for life. One man and one woman in the context of marriage for life. That was God's idea, a beautiful idea that came from a beautiful God, a good idea that came from a good God. But just because it's a good idea, God gives us the responsibility that determines how our marriage is. So here's what I know is that in a room this large and people watching online, there are many marriages that are here, but many of those marriages are not where you want them to be. There are marriages in this room that are struggling. There are marriages in this room that are fractured. There are marriages in this room that are on their way to being dissolved. There are some marriages in this room that are pretty good, marriages in this room that are doing okay. What I want to challenge you with today, what I want to dare you with today, what I want to talk to you about today in Games Families Play is if you will work at a different level, you can have a different marriage. I believe no matter where you are, with God's grace and with God's help, as we fulfill our role, we can have our happily ever after. In fact, I would say it this way. Anything is possible if you're willing to pay the price. Anything's possible. Everybody say that anything's possible. Anything's possible if you're willing to pay the price. So if you're willing to identify your role as the husband or as the right wife, and you're willing to make those investments, you're willing to make these sacrifices that we're going to talk about, if you're willing to do the work, the hard labor, I just believe you can have your happily ever after. Ever after. I believe you can have the marriage that you wanted when you stood at the altar and said, I do. Now, before I get too far, I just want to say this. If you're here and you're single, and, but one day you want to be married, I don't want you to check out today. I want you just to recognize that when you get married and as you get married, that these are some things that you need to focus on. Because like I know when we're dating, we're like, I just can't wait to be with you. And I can't wake up, wait to wake up next to you. And it's going to be so magical. <laughs> and like it is, it's wonderful. But I'm going to keep saying it. Marriage is, say it, work. And so I'm going to let you know on the front end that marriage is work. It's romantic, but it is work. It's wonderful, but it is work. And so you need to see what you're going for. And in the process, I want you to really understand this. If you're here and you're single and you want to be married, stop trying to search for the person you want and be the person you need to be. Focus more on getting yourself ready for the relationship than finding the person you want to be in relationship with. And if you'll do the hard work in being who you need to be, I believe with all of my heart that God will find and bring to you the right person. And so as we get into these five things, everybody, who wants here a happy life? Well, we know the saying, happy wife, happy, unhappy wife, stone cold misery for the rest of your life. So you've got to own these principles. I'm going to give you five real quick. I want to encourage you to take notes. You can look inside of your bulletin, write these things down. Number one thing to sow or to give into your spouse and into your marriage is acceptance, is acceptance. Now, what it means is this, is when you find that someone, everybody remembers what it's like. Like, you just like everything about him. I just like the way he walks. I like the way she looks. 
And like they'll, t- and we just, we accept them and we love them and there's things we like about them and things we love about them. And, and while all of that's true and that's, that's wonderful and that's important, I'm just here to tell you that especially when you get married and you live with them 24-7, as much as there are things you like about them, there will be things that drive you crazy about them. Things you don't like, things you can't stand, things that get on your nerves, things you want to pull your hair out about. There's lots of things you like. There are things about their personality. There are things about their habit. Come on, someone help me out and say amen. Like we just, ah. And the challenges, the challenges that so many people, and I'm going to pick on women and I'm going to pick on men and I'm going to go back and pick on women. This is, all of these are true for everybody. But especially women, I'm not sure why it is, but women feel like it's their job to change their man. And I, I just got, I got news for you. There's only one person that can change another person, and that's God. There is only one person that can change another person, and that's God. Which means if you're working and you're working like, I just want to change my man, and like, I don't like when he does this, and I, he always wants to be with his buddies, and he likes hunting, and she likes, ah, and you feel like it's your job to change him, all you're doing is setting yourself up for disappointment and setting your marriage up for frustration because you are working at something that you cannot achieve. Which means you just have to accept them for who they are and how they feel. You gotta accept them. Now, I didn't say this first service, it's important. If you're here again and you're single, but you're dating somebody right now and you got in the back of their mind like these five things you really like about them, there's a couple you don't, but don't worry, I'll fix them later. You need to talk to a married woman before you get married. You will not fix them later. They are who they are. If you can't stand it now, it only gets worse when you marry them. But... But guys, come on, for all of us, there's things about our spouse, right? There's so many differences. There's so many challenges, right? One person is spontaneous and the other person takes forever to make a decision. One person is a clean freak and the other person is a slob. And one person likes to spend money and one, the other person is a penny pincher. And it, our differences and who we are, it creates tension. In fact, in week two, when we talked about conflict resolution, I tried to tell us that, guys, one of the things that creates conflicts is our differences, If you marry somebody who's exactly like you, who thinks exactly like you, who do things exactly like you, you will never have any problems. But the reality is your spouse is unique. And so you have to give them acceptance. Again, acceptance of who they are and acceptance of how they feel. It's really important when I say that second part. You have to give them acceptance of how they feel, which means if your spouse comes to you and shares their heart with you about a way they're feeling about you or about the marriage, you may not like it. In fact, what I have found is most often we resist truth if we don't like it. You have to hear what your spouse has to say. My wife and I, we have a great marriage and we work hard to have a good marriage. But, you know, there are some times that I get so busy doing my thing and pastoring this church and doing all the things that are on my plate that sometimes I don't give my wife the attention she needs. Now, I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm a perfect husband kind of I am, I'm just saying, but <laughs> there are times my wife has come to me in 23 years of marriage and she's had to look at me and say, Steve, I, I, I need more of your time. Now, I don't like to hear that. It makes me defensive. It makes me think, well, what about this? Well, last week we went out. The other week I got, ah, and I want to point to all the things I've done, but how I feel doesn't change how she feels. I need to accept that that's my, how my wife feels. 
I need to accept my spouse for who she is. And until you have acceptance, you will have absolute frustration and disappointment. So let me ask you a question. What is it in your spouse that drives you crazy, that frustrates you, that wish you wish you could change? I'm sure if you think for a minute, you can come up with something. Now take that thing, set it aside, and quit making it the focus of your marriage. Accept your spouse for who they are and how they feel. There's a, uh, um, a story of a woman, man, she was getting married. It was her marriage day, and she was so nervous about walking down the aisle. Man, her legs, were, her knees were knocking, and she was scared. She asked her mom, like, Mom, like, what do I need to do? Like, I'm so afraid I'm going to pass out. I'm so nervous. I'm so scared. She said, baby, this is what you need to do. When those doors open and the wedding march starts, she said, I just want you to fo- just focus on the aisle. When you're walking, just focus right on the aisle. Just, and then when you get a little bit closer up front, just focus on the altar. And when you start getting close to him, just focus on him. And if you'll stay focused, you'll get there and it's going to be okay. And so the big moment came, the doors opened and the wedding march started and she started walking down the aisle. She started thinking about what her mom said. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. Listen, every, these people think I'm going to get married and I'm going to alter him. You will not alter him because the only person that can change another person is... God. Let me give you another one. Number two thing that you need to be working at, you need to be sowing and investing in your marriage, in your spouse, is adjustment. Is adjustment. It's kind of the other side of the coin of acceptance, which means, which means this, if your spouse won't change, watch this, if your spouse won't change, you should be willing to change for your spouse. So if your spouse won't be what you need what you need, then be to them what they need. Now, the temptation through all of these messages, and I keep talking about this, is for you to look at your, well, if she would just, if he would just, if my kids would just, and the temptation is to look at how everybody else is doing. And it's so important that all of us in this room don't look at how your spouse is doing with this, how you're doing with it. Because who we are and who our spouse is, there's often a gap. There's a tension that sometimes keeps us from connecting. It's how we spend our free time. It's, it's how, we, how we do things. How we, and we got to make adjustments. We got to bend and blend our lives to meet our spouse where they are. If, you gotta, if you've got a husband that likes to do things and you don't like to do what he likes and you got to do your own thing and you don't like to do, like he doesn't like to do what you like, like you got to find, if you're going to spend some time together, you got to make some compromise, which means there's times you got to do what your spouse likes even if you don't like it. Let me give you an example. Hi, people here, I know we're in Alabama and everybody here goes to the beach, Panama City and Gulf Shores. Hi, people here love the beach and if you were rich, you'd retire there right now. Wave at me. Now help me with this. Anybody here hates the beach? Wave at me. I hate the beach. Like I don't even know how you do it. You sit on the sand five minutes, you go back to take a shower, you got five pounds of sand in every crack and crevice of your body. And the more cracks and crevices, the more sand. And while you're at the beach, there's stuff waiting to sting you and eat you and bite you. You are the lunch menu for the sharks of the ocean. And if you don't get in the ocean, you're getting sun cancer waiting on. Isn't this awesome? You're sweating buckets of sweat. This is awesome. No, it's not. But listen, let me just tell you guys a question. Do you know where my wife and I, we've been married for 23 years. We go on vacation every single summer, every single summer. Anybody here want to take a guess where we've gone on vacation for 23 years? The beach. 
I don't like the beach, but I love my wife. And so I'm willing to adjust my preferences so I have a healthy marriage. And my wife does the same for me. She makes adjustments and tweaks to fill the gap between where we are so we can be together. You have to make adjustments. But there's things that keep that from doing it. Number one thing that keeps us from doing it is we want life about us. What about me? What are you doing for me? What have you done for me lately? (laughs) And the Bible says this in Philippians chapter two, verse three, it says this, come on, say it, read it with me. Don't be selfish. There's no place that you're gonna get better traction than in your marriage if you'll not be selfish. Now the same way, the same way I told you there's only one person that can change another person and that's God. There's only one person that cannot change and that's God. So if you're looking at who you are and you feel like, well, I could make adjustments, but I can't do that. I could never be that. You can change. You can be the person your spouse needs you to be if you're willing to make adjustments. So number three, real quick, number three. Third thing that you need to sow into and invest into your relationship is attention. Everybody say attention. Attention. You got to give your spouse some attention. In fact, I would say it this way. Work as hard to keep your marriage as you did to get your marriage. Women, I just set you up. I just just lobbed you a ball that you could hit out of the park. Come on, women. I'm going to say one more time. You need to give some shout out to your men. Work as hard to keep me as you did to get me. So like we do this thing and like we, we, we meet that special someone and we call them all the time. I mean, we're almost stalker level. Let's be honest. Like we call you and I can't, I'm just going to fall asleep to the sound of you breathing. You don't even have to talk. I just want to hear you breathe. And I love you and I'm writing you notes and I, listen, uh, you know, they ain't got nothing on me. Hallmark ain't got nothing on me because you're writing poetry and letters and you're buying gifts and leaving it on the car and taking them food. And, like you're with them every moment of the day and then you get married and nothing. You can't do that. Your spouse, husbands and wives, require attention. You got to give them some attention. You got to give them some focus. They have to be kind of the center of your world. It's five love languages. Maybe you guys have read the book before. It's great book to read, but basically it's this. It's kind of how we communicate to our spouse. We love them in a way that they understand because we all speak a different love language. And here's, here are the five love languages. You need to think about maybe what your spouse is and what you can begin to do if you're not currently doing to consistently communicate love and affection for them. And it's this, number one, number one, there's one called acts of service. The first love language is the way you communicate your spouse that you love them is you do stuff for them. Like you help them out with the load around the house. I'm just, I'm just telling everybody here, listen, one of my wife's love languages is acts of service, which means if I help sweep the floor and I do some dishes, it's going to be a good night at the Husky household. Y'all reading me? Because that's her love language. There's another love language. There's another love language. Uh, there is a love language of words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Do you know the Bible says that our tongue has the power of death and life? The Bible tells us that God told Jeremiah the prophet, Jeremiah chapter one, he said, behold, I'm putting words in your mouth, words to tear down and words to build up, words to plant and words to rip out, which means with your words, you can make your spouse feel like a million bucks or you can make them feel like dirt. 
And so God wants us to take our words and speak into our spouse. Tell them, listen, tell them they're beautiful. Tell them they're wonderful. If you don't have anything to tell them, kind of make something up. I'm telling you, but speak. You're a, I love when you come home from work. Like that's all you got. Say something to them. Buy cards, get sticky notes and leave it on their steering wheel. Put it on the mirror where they shave. But use words of affirmation. Another one is gifts. Is gifts. It's when you buy someone, it doesn't even have to be expensive things, but small things to let them know I'm thinking about you, I care about you. Some of you in this room, your spouse's love language is gifts. And you know it, but you've not bought them anything in a long time. And your spouse and my spouse, our spouses, they need our attention. Another one, another one of the love languages um, is physical touch. We'll come back to that one. We'll come back to that one. But in all of these, in all these, in these, these five love languages, again, it's, it's words of affirmation, it's physical touch, it's gifts, it's acts of service. In all these love languages, in all these love languages, ultimately what I'm just telling you is you need to find how can I show my spouse regular and consistent attention. And if your job, and if your hobby, I know it's hunting season, and some of you men are going to disappear for the next three months. Like, I know, and you got friends and hobbies, but in the middle, let me ask you a question. When you got married, what was the most important thing to you? I would dare say it was the person you married. And if you want the relationship you married for, you got to work for it, which means you have to make sacrifices as necessary to give your spouse the attention that they need and that they deserve. Let's talk about affection. Number four, affection. There's a story, maybe you guys heard this. Did you guys hear that New York City built a brand new store? It's called the Husband Store. So for all the single ladies that are looking for a man, you can go up to New York City and there is the Husband Store. It is six floors of all the men you could imagine and dream of. There's a lady that went to this store looking for a man because she was tired of all the deadbeats he had been dating. And she walks in and there's a host that tells her, listen, we have six floors of men and you can look on any floor for your man. But once you leave a floor and go to the next floor, you can't go back down. And so she gets on the elevator and she rides to the first floor. And when the doors open, there's a sign that says all the men on this level have a job. And she like, you know, she like men with some deadbeats. She's like, they all have a job. That's wonderful. But like, I wonder what's on level two. So she gets back on the elevator. She rides up and the elevator doors open. There's a sign that says all the men on this floor, they have a job and they love kids. And she's like, man, what? I mean, a perfect combination. He works and he loves kids, but you know, I just wonder what's on level three. And so she rides the elevator up to level three and she gets off. And as soon as she gets off, there's a sign that says this, that all the men on level three, they have a job, they love kids and they're drop dead gorgeous. And she's like, oh, I think I found my floor, but I just got to go look at level four. So she gets on the elevator, she goes up to level four and the doors open and there's a sign that says all the men on this level, they have a job, they love kids, they're drop dead gorgeous and they're incredibly romantic. And she thinks it, it just can't get any better than this, but I, I just got to know what's on level five. She gets on, she rides to level five and the doors open and there's a sign that says all the men on this level, they have a job, they love kids, they're drop dead gorgeous, they're romantic and they love to do chores as well. And she's like, ah, oh. but there's one more level. I just, 
I just got to go to level six. So she goes to level six and the doors open. There's a sign that says level six only exists to show that women cannot be satisfied with any man alive. Come on, man. That was for you. And because they built a husband store, they decided right across the street to build a wife store that men could go and find their wife. And it's the same principle, six floors. You can go into any floor, but once you go to the next floor, you can never go back down. And so this guy gets on and he rides to the very first floor. The the doors open and there's a sign that says, every woman on this floor loves to have sex. No man has ever visited floors two through six. (laughs) Here's what the Bible says about... Here's what the Bible says about affection. And and I'm going to be frank, specifically sexual intimacy in a marriage. Now, before I read the scripture, I want to say that this is scripture. This is not my opinion. This is not, uh, this is not psychology. It's important that we understand that specifically the New Testament was written. Many of them are called epistles. They're letters, which means that God, the Holy Spirit, used man to record and to write letters that were sent to believers to address issues, concerns, not just theologically, but practically that they had. And there was a question, there was a need, like what about sex and marriage? Like what does that look like? And the Holy Spirit spoke to the Apostle Paul who penned these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 in the context of relationship, but specifically about sex. Watch this. Y'all should read your Bibles more, by the way. Y'all read this with me. It's good scripture. The husband should fulfill his wife's It's in the Bible. You can say the word in church. Everybody, read this together with me. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Next verse. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. I like that verse. And the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Verse 5. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Last part. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So I want you to notice here, like this, this is so big. The Bible is making it clear that sexual intimacy, the needs of a man and the needs of a woman, like this thing is, is so big that there is, a, there is a true need. Well, he just always wants to have sex. No, it's a true need that the Bible addresses, not just for men, but for women, that it's a true need. And not just that it's a need, but it's a mutual responsibility. Now, y'all pull in. Ladies, men are going to be sending me messages later. I feel it. It is your spiritual responsibility to take care of the physical needs of your man. Now, the same, the same is true on the other foot. The same is true for men to take care of the physical needs of your wife. And when we don't, when we refuse to, well, I'm too mad, I'm too upset, I got a headache, I'm not in the mood. We are leaving our spouse vulnerable to the temptations of the enemy. And so we got to find a way as we navigate the complexities and all this thing, like I just want you to know that, that sex is a key component in marriage. One of the first things that Adam and Eve did was they did it. 
The Apostle Paul addresses the need in the context of Christian marriages. Like, you know what the Bible says? It's better to marry than... Y'all don't know that verse. The Bible says it's better to marry than to burn with desire. Like, I got to do something with this. I need to get married quick. <laughs> That's not the only reason you get married. Married, but it's one of the... It's one of, the, one of the functions of marriage, and it's one of the beautiful things of marriage. Unfortunately, this world has hijacked sexuality and painted it and twisted it and made all these things that it never was and told us that sex inside of marriage is boring. If you want to have real sex, like have free sex and have as much sex as you can before marriage and have multiple partners. And I'm just telling you that God's original design is the best design of one man and one woman in the context of marriage for life. God's way is always the best way. And so, you know, I, I, I know women that maybe you're frustrated with, like, he just, he just always wants to, he just, it's just, that's all he thinks about. Because men don't think. I'm just telling you, men don't think with their brains and they don't think with their hearts. Men are driven by a hormone. And if you knew how much it really drove us, you'd be more frustrated with us than you already are. And so we got to find a way. And, and so here's, let me just give you some real simple ways to understand this. Because there is so much frustration and rejection. Are you all hearing me today? Yes. There's so much rejection in marriage because a guy wants to be in with his wife and his wife's not in the mood. So he gets mad. So they argue. And so because they're arguing, now she's really not in the mood and she's pulled away. And now he's pulled away. There's all of this tension and you're never in it for me. You're always in it for you. And it just goes on and on and it creates marriages to crumble. And I just want to give you just some secrets that if this is the belt line, let me just let you know this, that women or men, you just, you just can't go for below the belt. If you want to access below the belt, you got to access a woman's heart. You got to like give her some flowers and take her to dinner and let her know that she's valuable and important. I've heard it said this way, that women are slow cookers and men are microwaves, <laughs> which means like you just can't come home. Yeah, baby, I'm home from work. Let's go. Like sometimes it takes some time. Sometimes you got to make some investment that you got to access a woman's heart if you want to access the other part. And the flip-flop is true. Listen to this, women. The flip-flop is true for women. Like I just want to know his heart. I just want to share his heart. If you want to access his heart, you access it through the other part. <laughs> I said it this way. Watch this. Read it with me. Women, you have to go south if you want to go north. Men, you have to go north if you want to go south. If y'all read me, wave at me. Now listen, listen, listen. Again, I'm going to keep saying this because the temptation of everybody in this room is, well, if my wife would just have more sex with me, if my man would just give me more attention, if he would just be, quit focusing on what your spouse is doing and focus on your job. Focus on what your responsibility is. Focus on how you need to labor and invest in that relationship. And, and listen to me. There's going to be times that they don't deserve it. I got you. There's going to be times you don't feel like it. I hear you loud and clear. But we do not meet the needs, physically, sexually, emotionally, whatever. We do not meet another person's needs because we feel like it or because they deserve it. We do it because it's the right thing to do. Just do it. God did not reach out to us through his son Jesus on the cross of Calvary because he felt like it or because, right, he did it because of love. It was the agape love of the father, the unconditional love that he had for us that Christ reached us. 
And it's the unconditional love that we should have for our spouses that causes us to make adjustments, to accept them for who they are, to reach out, to show them the affection, to give them the attention they need. And that's something that all of us have to continue to invest in our marriages if it's the marriage that we want to have. Number five, real quick, number five, real quick, we got to sow and invest communication. Communication. Now, I saved communication for last, and I only have just a couple thoughts real quick. I'm just telling you that marriages rise and fall on communication. You cannot have a good marriage and have bad communication. Here's the wonderful thing, truly the wonderful thing about a marriage is that you have a partner next to your side that you get to share your fears, your anxieties, your dreams, your aspirations, your hopes, your disappointments. You get to share that with somebody for life. And that's what communication is, is being willing to talk to your spouse. The challenge is, is because men and women are wired so differently that sometimes we don't do a great job communicating. Women speak on average four to five times as many words in a day as in what a man does. And when they speak four or five times as many words, they often don't say anything. Or women don't say what they mean. For example, let me give you a couple examples. Women will tell their husband, that's fine. If, a, if, your, if your wife tells you it's fine, it's not fine. It's okay. If your spouse tells you, if your wife tells you it's okay, it is not okay. Five minutes. If they tell you five minutes, multiply it times five. I just found that safe. Multiply it times five. You don't have to buy me anything. That's a lie. You better go buy something right then. So women talk a lot, and it's very, at least not women, I'm not picking on you, but for the man's brain, it's hard to narrow down everything you're saying into something that just, like, we're simple. It's just hard for us to track because women don't really say what they, you know, or don't say what they mean. Men, we don't say hardly anything at all, right? Well, I just want him to tell me he loves me. And men are like, listen, I told you I loved you when I married you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> men are very simple. You don't use a lot of words. Don't speak a lot. And that's why when you come home, honey, how was your day? Uh. Like, what do you want for dinner? Mm. And, there's, and there's this challenge between, women, between men trying to, trying to narrow down what a woman's saying. And women are trying to just hear something from their husband. Men, I'm going to tell you what your mama said when you were two years old trying to figure out the English language. Use your words. You can't just point and ugh. We got to tell our spouse how we feel, what we want, why we're hurt, why we're disappointed, what our aspirations are, what the dreams are we have. Like we got to open up and share. And that's, listen, it's, it's not really in the bedroom. Real intimacy happens in real conversations. So five things, not what your spouse is doing, but let me ask you the question. How are you doing working hard to invest and to sow into your marriage and into your spouse? I probably, you're going to get tired at times. You're going to get frustrated at times, but you got to keep working at it and you can have the marriage you want. In fact, last thought real quick. If you'll sow what they need, you can reap what you need. If you'll sow what they need, you can reap what you need. So I'm going to give them, I'm going to invest, I'm going to, make, I'm going to make the adjustments, I'm going to accept them where they are, I'm just going to keep pouring in, I'm going to keep sowing. You might say, that's very selfish. Why do you got to do it? No, I'm focused on you. But what you will find 
is that God's word is true. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. So if you'll sow what your spouse needs, you'll re- ultimately, you'll reap what you need. 